Before we begin, let us pray again. Heavenly Father, open our hearts to your word, to your leading, to your guiding, and to trusting you with all the details of our lives. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. The passage which was read is the scripture reading from Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Um, very interesting and encouraging, being anxious for nothing and everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The title of the... Um, Study today is uh, thank God or learning to thank God for unanswered prayer. But you notice in this passage, it doesn't say that God's going to give us the answer we want. In fact, it doesn't mention anything about his answer. He just calls upon us to trust him. That even through the challenges of life, he has promised to give us something even more important than getting what we think we want or need, but that's the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. And that's the privilege, that's the the evidence of God's presence. And in many parts of the world where to become a Christian is essentially a death warrant, um one thing these people have found, and that was true during the Dark Ages as well, that even when facing death, they can be in perfect peace. And that's no accident. That can be, cannot be manufactured. That's a divine gift. The subtitle uh, today is How to Survive When Your World is Turned Upside Down. We are all familiar with the challenges we face making a call on a cell phone. Of course, sometimes there's no answer. Sometimes it's busy. Sometimes we're on hold endlessly. And uh, sometimes, finally, leave a message. Perhaps sometimes that's the way we feel when we're trying to reach heaven on heaven's cell phone prayer. And um, we think, well, we've prayed, but it doesn't seem to be an answer. Or busy, or maybe we're on hold. And, uh, of course, personally, I like to leave messages. And so I leave a lot of messages for the Lord uh, when I'm praying. But... God doesn't promise to always give us yes answers. Um, But he does promise to give us something better. Take a look um, for a few minutes at some famous people in the Bible. Persons of faith who received a no answer, or no answer at all, at least initially, or sometimes the answer was no from God. Thinking of the story of of Jacob and Joseph. Joseph and Jacob were both prophets of the Lord. They had both received direct communication. 
But the brothers, as we know, they planned to kill Joseph, and instead they just sold him as a slave uh, into Egypt. And, of course, they told their dad a big lie. Well, they let him believe the big lie. They didn't say it. We, we're not sure if this is Joseph's coat, you know, the blood, all of that. And so for 20 years, Jacob, who was a prophet of the Lord, was allowed to believe the lie which his sons had told that, Jacob, that Joseph was dead. And, and eventually, as we know, the brothers came to the same conclusion because the life expectancy of a slave wasn't very long. And so they assumed eventually that he was dead too. But God used this silence from heaven, the sorrow, the separation to rescue this family, this messianic family. Uh, as you read through the story of, of, of that family, they were a dysfunctional family. Now, those brothers had a ton of problems. And the devil was about to take this whole family out. But God had a rescue plan. And that rescue plan was Joseph, working through Joseph, and actually to actually rescue the whole Middle East uh, from the Great Famine. And what is amazing is that Joseph, who must have wondered at some point, what happened to the dreams that he had as a young person? What happened to those dreams? But he didn't give up. So finally, as we know in, in um, the very end of the book of Genesis, um, Jacob passes away. They have the big funeral. And then the brothers come to Joseph. Well, they send a message to Joseph. Please. Your father said, please forgive us. We are your servants. Just. And Joseph's answer was really one of the most prophetic and beautiful answers of understanding how God works. That's in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. As about as it is this day to save many people alive. God is in the business of turning things around, of turning tragedies around, turning disappointments around. Um, and in spite of everything that the devil throws at us to use it, if we permit him, for his glory, for his kingdom. Uh, Moses a little later, um, it's the end of the 40 years wandering, and um, he lost his temper once. And God said, you can't go in. Sounded pretty harsh. You know, one mistake, 40 years. And uh, Moses comments on this in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 3, verse 26. But the Lord was angry with me on your account. It would not listen to me. So the Lord said to me, enough of that. Speak no more to me of this matter. Proof? Boy, talk about a no answer. I mean, that, that was categorical. And apparently Moses accepted it. And so Moses did not get to go into the earthly promised land. He spent his whole life wanting to get back to the promised land. But God had something better in mind. Took him to the heavenly land. 
as we learn about in the New Testament. The story of uh, Ruth and Naomi. Um, There's a famine again in the land of um, Israel. So Naomi and her husband and the two sons go to Moab, and the husband dies, the son dies, the sons die, and of course by this time they're daughter-in-laws. Um, and when they finally come back to Israel, um, Naomi says that she's coming in the, to Bethlehem and, and people are greeting her. She says, don't call me Naomi. That means pleasant. Call me Mara, which meant bitter. For the Lord Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. She really thought God was against her. But amazingly, she had not given up her faith in God, her trust. And apparently this trust that she had for God was still shining through, even though she was greatly disappointed, obviously, and and heartbroken with what had happened, was still shining through to the extent that this Moabite young widow, Ruth, saw it and wanted to have whatever Naomi and her people had. And what Naomi and Ruth didn't realize yet, but they'll learn in heaven, is they got adopted into the Messianic line. And they were the uh, progenitors of of King David and, and eventually of Jesus. What an amazing privilege and calling Elijah in 1 Kings 19.4 says, this was after he had been you know, run away and, and they had the big revival and then he got scared and ran away and Jezebel was going to kill him. And he runs and runs and finally says to the Lord, it's enough, take my life. I've had it, you know. He says, I'm no better than my father's. Might as well just get it over with now. But the Lord said, No. Go and anoint Elisha to take your place. And get on board. The chariots are coming. And Elijah was taken to heaven. Paul in the New Testament speaks in 2 Corinthians 12 about a thorn in the flesh that was given to him. He says, lest I be exalted above measure. And he pleaded with the Lord three times to take it away. I mean, here... This is Paul who had been given the gift of healing for other people. But he still had this problem, which many people, researchers believe could have been his poor eyesight because of when he had been struck uh, with lightning, the Lord's presence on the the road to uh, Damascus. So he's begging, begging, and all the Lord says, my grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in weakness. I don't think that was the answer Paul was looking for, but he accepted it. Because he would write, Paul would write in in, in the book of Romans uh, 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Wow. doesn't say all things are good. It just says God is working for good. And... When I looked this up in my 
Greek transliteration Bible. It's even more powerful, beautiful, stronger passage. It says, we know that he works all things together for good. Of course, that's implied um, in the King James rendition, but it's very, very strong. God has the ability to turn things around, take the broken, shattered pieces of our lives and put it back together. And that's always a miracle. I would think, from my perspective anyway, that it's easier for God to just speak a world into existence, create a new sun, create a new galaxy, poof, it's done. But when he's working with us, it's a whole lot more complicated. But yet, he's up to the task. The story of Job, and particularly in the last few chapters of Job, Job is asked all these questions, question after question as question. Doesn't get any answer. But finally, in these last few chapters, God reveals himself as creator, as redeemer, never answers the direct questions, but gives Job a reason to trust and to believe. So finally, Job could say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Um, he began to see that there's something even more important than getting the immediate answers that we want, that he wanted. It was this fellowship with God. Um, amazing story. Then in uh, John chapter 9, where the disciples come to Jesus, and this was about the man who was born blind, and they say, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? I always thought that was the most unusual question. Because how can you sin when you're still in the womb? You know. Um, but they believed that every thing that happened had a direct cause to a particular sin. Now, sometimes that's true. If you drive drunk, you know, bad things are going to happen. But a lot of things happen simply because we're in a broken world. We don't, there is no direct connection of somebody doing something and something happening. And so Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. But Jesus was saying this was permitted for a greater purpose, to bring hope and healing and faith, not only to the man, but to all those around um, that there was something larger in the battle between good and evil, between the great plan of salvation. It's not just about us; it's about the whole universe. It's 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 so much bigger. Um, but God has promised that He is working on our behalf. When bad things happen, tragedies, disappointment. Um, Chaos really is only two choices. And Job's wife had her suggestion, curse God and die. That's what a lot of people say, if they even believe in God. Well, it must be his fault. Forget it. Boom. I'm out of here. Um, they give up their faith if they have any. Um, or 
Job's example was to trust God's heart. And we are called, particularly with the witness of Scripture and in our lives, to trust God's heart, even when we cannot see his hand at work. Because eventually he'll show us. But we often don't get to see that now. Is God still blessing people today with unanswered prayers? Um, He certainly is. Just a few things from a few years ago. Um, Fanny Crosby, a hymn writer, uh, was blinded at the age of two months by medical fraud. God never healed her blindness, but instead gave her a gift of poetry and music to bless the world. Um, And that gift was so, so amazing. And her love for the Lord at eight years old, she composed this little poem. Oh, what a happy soul I am, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in this world, contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind? I cannot, and I won't. Well, you can see the spark and spunk in that already at eight years old. Um, She was not giving up on the Lord. Um, What's amazing is that she wrote the lyrics for about 9,000 hymns. A lot of them we, we... not in our book, but we do have quite a few. Um, and uh, she said uh, later she was told she needed to use pen names, other names, lest the hymnals be filled up complete with just her name as the, as the, as the author. So she started using other names. Um, but uh, it's... Um, I was trying to... There was an illustration here that I wanted to share... The, of, of her incredible gift of, of writing hymns. Um, said one time, this of course back in the 1800s, um, it often happened, even though she could play the harp, the piano, and the guitar, and other instruments, uh, musicians would come to her for the lyrics. They'd, they would come up with a tune, but they'd come see Fanny Crosby if she could, you know, um, put the lyrics to the to the tune that they had written, the music. And um, so a particular musician one day dropped by her home for a surprise visit, begging her to put some words to a tune he'd recently written, which he was to perform at an upcoming um, Sunday school convention. The only problem was that his train to the convention was leaving in 35 minutes. So he sat down, played the tune for her, and immediately, she said, your music says to me, safe in the arms of Jesus. And just like that, she immediately wrote down the complete hymn, the lyrics, the words. And he was on his way in, in, in 35 minutes um, with a new hymn. And uh, some of the other ones that uh, are uh, very well known, that... Um, 
She, she wrote the words, Blessed assurance, all the way my Savior leads me, to God be the glory. Pass me not, a gentle Savior. Of course, safe in the arms of Jesus. Rescue the perishing. Jesus, keep me near the cross. Um, what an illustration that when we lose out on what we would want, God has a way of giving us something even more beautiful. Another um, illustration of that was you, I know you've heard of uh, Joni Erickson Tata. And uh, many years ago, she uh, was uh, swimming the Chesapeake Bay, East Coast, and she dove into the water, and it was way too shallow, didn't realize it. And so she ended up um, becoming a quadriplegic, paralyzed from the shoulders down. And um, at first, of course, she, like many people would, she had anger, depression, suicidal thoughts, religious doubts, and, um, but she wouldn't give up. And so she learned to paint paintings with a brush between her teeth um, and also um, wrote over 40, 40 books. And some of her insights are such a blessing. Um, One of them is the following. Sometimes God allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves in us. Another comment, observation that she made, we will stand amazed to see the top side of the tapestry and how God has beautifully embroidered each circumstance into a pattern for our good and his glory. Another time she spoke, I happened to watch when she was speaking a few years ago, I think it may have been at a Billy Graham crusade, I was watching on TV, and in a wheelchair, she stated the following, She said, I'd rather be in a wheelchair with Christ than out of a wheelchair without him. That's trust. That's faith. Another time she wrote, My weakness, that is my quadriplegia, is my greatest asset because it forces me into the arms of Christ every single morning when I get up. One of the greatest challenges for many people is they don't feel their need of God, don't recognize their need of God. And often God allows us to uh, hit rock bottom before we start looking up. Another example, more recently, um, in uh, 1988, 10 days after college graduation, um, Elizabeth Page, who was in school at Southwestern with, uh, with my son, Russell, and um, she had gone to work. I think she had a degree in, I've forgotten what it was, but something related to, to um, community service. 
And she went to work at a mental health retardation facility. And she was shot multiple times in the chest and back by a client, someone there at the facility. After weeks of hospitalization and little hope for survival, she was left with spinal cord injury, paralysis from the chest down. During her quest, along with her mother, um, Wanda, they began to look for what resources are available to help people in these circumstances. And they began to search and, and found out that it took a lot of searching, a lot of looking. They began gradually to, to find answers of how to get help for her. Um, but what they also discovered, that the various services and agencies that could help weren't talking to each other. Nobody knew about anything else anybody was doing. And so they said, wow, why not form an organization which would provide people who have been injured uh, uh, as, as a crime victim, disabled as a crime victim, to be able to help them to access the resources that they need without spending years looking for it as they had. And so they did. And it's called Disabled Crime Victims Assistance Incorporated. It's in Fort Worth. Um, and they have been very, very busy uh, helping a lot of other people uh, in similar circumstances to find the resources they need. And um, Elizabeth, uh, the one in the wheelchair, uh, often comes around once a year to uh, see supporters, and, and she um, comes by our store in a wheelchair and uh, talks, and always a smile on her face, always upbeat, cheerful, uh, and thankful. And I have information later I can give you if you'd like to, to help them, because obviously they are uh, self-supporting a nonprofit organization. But there is a beautiful example of, as we say, when life serves you lemons, learn how to make lemonade, uh, to turn around and to help someone else. Um, very, very powerful. In fact, one of the most important ways that a person can recover from depression, anxiety, discouragement, all the rest, is to reach out to help somebody else. Uh, and that's exactly what Christ calls us to. That's what God calls us to, uh, to do without a doubt. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12, says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I am known. There is that uh, well-known hymn. This one is not by Fanny Crosby, however. Um, and uh, farther along, it says, Tempted and tried, we're oft made to wonder why it should be thus all the day long, why there are others living about us, never molested, though in wrong. But farther along, we'll know all about it. Farther along, we will understand why. Cheer up, my brother, and live in the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. And the last verse says, Soon we'll see our dear loving Savior. Hear the last trumpet sound through the sky. Then we shall meet those who've gone before. 
then we shall know and understand why. Um, just a beautiful understanding and trust that we probably don't know and don't have most of the answers to the why questions. Occasionally, we may learn a part of it in life. We can look back and, oh, okay, the Lord was doing thus. He was leading this way and been, you know, guiding us through. Other times, we don't learn um, the reason, and we still have a thousand questions. Uh, I have a lot of questions I'd like to ask the Lord uh, during the thousand years. Um, one of my friends said, as I would discuss this, um, he said, maybe we won't remember the question. It's going to be so wonderful just to be there, and uh, maybe we'll forget. I said, well, I hope I don't forget, because I still have a lot of questions. <laughs> but I know he's going to have good answers. Because if God doesn't have good answers for what happened down here, then the whole problem of sin is not over. Anytime there's any doubt left, God's got a problem. And so he's going to answer all of those questions. In, uh, in the book, God's Amazing Grace, Spirit of Prophecy, uh, he said, There are homes for the pilgrims of earth. There are robes for the righteous, crowns of glory, palms of victory. All that has perplexed us, perplexed us in the providence of God will, in the world to come, be made plain. Things hard to be understood will find explanation. Mysteries of grace will unfold before us, where our finite minds discovered only confusion and broken promises. We shall see the most perfect and beautiful harmony. We shall know that infinite love ordered the experiences that seemed most trying to us. As we realize the tender care of him who makes all things work together for our good, we shall rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory. I've uh, thought a lot about uh, Job and his circumstances. Um, and when he gets to heaven, um, I'm sure he will have some questions to ask God. You know, why did you let this happen? And he'll learn about this, you know, test, this uh, discussion between Satan and, and Christ. Um, and he'll ask, why did you let this happen? You know, why? God said he was the most faithful person he had on the earth at the time. Why did you let it happen? I'm sure there will be many, many answers, but perhaps one will be that, first of all, God was revealing this war between good and evil uh, that's going on, uh, but also that through Job's experience of learning to trust, of not giving up, hundreds of thousands and millions of other people would take courage from Job's experience and his walk with God. And will Job at that time say, Lord, that's good enough. That's a good enough answer. You know, I accept it. I believe he will. He'll say, if, if that's what it took to help others trust you all the way to the kingdom, uh, it'll be blessing, blessing enough. You know, in the, in the book of Habakkuk, um, I can 
sure I got the right page here. Um, let's see here. Ah, yes, here we go. Um, Habakkuk was a prophet who lived just a short time and worked just a short time in Judah just before the Babylonian captivity. He knew what was coming. The prophecies are clear because of the people's rejection of God. And I'm sure that Habakkuk was pleading with the Lord, trying to bring reformation and revival to avoid the impending doom. But they weren't getting much response at all. He could see what was coming. Um, That disaster was looming. But yet, Habakkuk could could say, it's recorded in, in the third chapter, verses 17 to 19, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herds in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. And it was Habakkuk who would write and later be quoted by Paul in the New Testament, the just shall live by faith. There really is there no, there's no other choice um, than to walk by faith. I remember years ago, a long time ago, and there was quite a discussion going on, I guess, in the 80s um, about righteousness by faith and what it meant. And... Um, Someone asked Elder HMS Richards, Sr., voice of prophecy, um, Elder Richards, what do you think about this righteousness by faith they're talking about? He said, that's the only kind there is. And that was a beautiful answer. Um, and indeed, indeed it is. God calls us to believe, to trust. And it's not easy. We don't do this naturally. When Bad things happen. We react emotionally, perfectly natural. But as we walk with the Lord, He will give us strength. He will give us courage. He will give us hope. Um, Psalms 30, verse 5 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And, of course, ultimately that's a a prophecy of of the second coming. Um, But even now, God can give us joy in our hearts. He can give us hope. He can give us courage in spite of our circumstances. And that is a a divine gift. Um, And we have the privilege of then helping to encourage others. Um, So we're talking in a Sabbath school lesson today about helping others. When we go through trial and tribulation and when our circumstances, particularly if we've gone through some major tragedy, loss, uh, disappointments, we then have the privilege of helping somebody else who's in a similar similar circumstance and say, listen, I've been there. God will be with you. There is hope. He will not forsake you. We can trust him with our hearts because he's promised. He said he will never leave us nor forsake us. 
And indeed, weeping may endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning. The beautiful spiritual written many years ago talks about that great getting up morning. Great getting up morning. Talking about the second coming. And every day I said, Lord, come on. Bring it on. Come quickly. Want to go home. Heavenly Father, thank you for your amazing promises that you have given to us in Scripture. We're so thankful, Lord, that you promised never to leave us nor forsake us. And whether in joy or sorrow or in any circumstance of life, we can trust you with every detail of our lives. And Lord, we pray for your grace and mercy through the sacrifice of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Take us all the way to your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.